Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. So the last thing I want to do is is sit here and make you think that a conservative Bible preaching and teaching, believing church can't get a little excited about what the Lord is doing here at Villa's Grace. So come on, one more time, let's put our hands together for everybody who the Lord has blessed us with to be able to worship Him. The, the, the music that we get to hear each and every Sunday morning, I don't know about you, but I feel like people are improving here, right? Even Joe. Even Joe. Would you think he couldn't get much better? And man, oh man. Just glad to have you back, especially after not having you for some time. I was able to talk with Joe this morning. He has a nurse that that I have her information that was with him in the ICU. We're going to get here here to see what her work contributed to, to get him back doing what he loves doing. So thank you so much, Joe, for everything this morning. We are in a small two-part series called Giving Thanks. It's around Thanksgiving, so we thought it was time to reflect upon the thanks that we should be giving Jesus Christ. A lot of times when we hear a sermon preached, we want to have some application. We want it to be heavy in application. We want to be able to take what we're hearing and then apply it to our lives, right? See, we're going to have a little bit of that here, but what we really want to focus on in this series, I know we had Pastor Jared kick it off last week, which was phenomenal, but just with this last sermon this morning before we go into our Christmas series is this. We want to be cognizant. We want to be reminded, especially during Thanksgiving, of who Jesus is and giving thanks for what he has done for us. And with that being said, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the ability to be able to come here this morning to hear the beautiful sound of music and to give thanks because we know that you created those notes. You've made this possible. And as we turn our attention to the proclamation of your word, Lord, I pray that our hearts can be open to your message from your word. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were convicted of a crime or guilty of a crime or if you were incarcerated, I remember the first time I ever saw that word incarcerated. I was reading a book. It was one of the first chapter books I ever read in my life. Okay, you're like, why are you reading a book about incarceration? It was a book on the mafia, okay? It caught my interest, and I had to ask my mom. I'll never forget. I was in the back of the car, and I'm like, Mom, what does this mean here? What does it mean to be incarcerated? And she had to tell me what it meant. But imagine being incarcerated. That would be awful to lose your freedom. But could you imagine being found guilty of a crime, finding yourself incarcerated, and then all of a sudden you get a presidential pardon? Wouldn't that be incredible relief? You would be a fool not to accept the pardon, wouldn't you? Even if you were guilty as charged, you would be foolish not to accept a pardon from the president. Now, see, we have a case that happened back in 1830. This man, George Wilson, 
committed a crime. On May 27, 1830, Wilson was sent, sentenced to death after he committed his crime. See, he and his co-conspirator were both sentenced to death. And you're probably asking yourself, what did George Wilson and his knuckleheaded friend do? So you put two knuckleheads together. What crime did they commit? Well, they endangered the life of a postal worker back in 1830 and stole and robbed the U.S. postal mail from him, so they were sentenced to death. See, his co-conspirator, his last name was Porter. Porter actually was sentenced and put to death, but Wilson was spared. He was given a presidential pardon from this man right here, one Andrew Jackson, the man we see on the $20 bill today. The reason for the pardon is actually unknown. Some historians actually say there was some confusion as to why Jackson actually pardoned him. Others say it was part of a decision made by Wilson to actually reject the pardon. So we really don't know if it was a mistake made by President Jackson or Wilson actually rejected the pardon. But let's just go with the latter. Imagine if he rejected the pardon. How foolish... Would it be to reject a presidential pardon, especially when you are, are about ready to be executed? Nevertheless, of what actually did happen, it paved the way for the United States in 1833 for the Supreme Court to ultimately weigh in on this ruling. And this is exactly what the decision was made by the Supreme Court for every case going forward. And it's this as follows. It says, A pardon is a deed to the validity of which delivery is essential. And delivery is not complete without acceptance. That's the key word right there. It may then be rejected by the person to whom it was tendered, and if it be rejected, we have discovered no power in a court to force it on him. Church, the decision by the Supreme Court in 1833 should remind us of the work of Jesus on the cross. Now, you're probably asking yourself, wait, wait, hold on a second. What do you mean here? What does the Supreme Court have to do with Jesus on the cross? It should remind us of the decision that each and every one of us has to make. See, the death of Jesus is sufficient for the whole entire world. However, it's only beneficial for those who have faith in what He has done. And those who have faith should respond to the blessing of salvation in a very particular way. The Bible is very clear by accepting the pardon that Jesus has offered us. We need to respond in a very particular way. And allow me to point or put this into layman's terms. Those who have faith in Jesus will do something about this blessing of salvation. If you know that you've been saved by Jesus, you will do something in your life about this blessing that the Lord has bestowed upon you. So allow me to ask you as we start this morning this question. Do you have faith? Now some of you are saying yes, but there's a few of you in here this morning mentally to yourselves questioning whether or not you actually have faith. 
Some of you are thinking, wait, hold, he's talking to me right now. Maybe. Maybe I am talking to you. Maybe I know that I'm talking to you. Maybe I have no idea I'm talking to you. Maybe some of you have been coming here for years or going to a church for years, still wondering if you have faith. If so, if you don't know, if you do or not, this still brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. A blessing returned. A blessing returned. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 107. If you have your Bible, please, you're more than welcome to follow along. If you do not, all the verses this morning will be on the screens. Psalm 107, we're going to be in verses 1 through 9. See, last week, Pastor Jared, in his sermon that was titled, Thankfulness Leads to Praise, we were encouraged in that we praise God because that's what we were created to do, right? We were created to praise His name. And we were also encouraged to do this because He alone is worthy. Today, we're going to be encouraged to respond appropriately to God's redemption. We're going to be encouraged on how to respond to the greatest blessing of all. Today is a celebratory reminder of the work of Jesus in the individual's life. That's what we're looking at today. We're going to see all of this in our text this morning. So please follow along as I read from Psalm 107, verses 1 through 9. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert waste, finding no way to dwell or to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. For He satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul He fills with good things. Amen. When we look at these verses this morning, we put them into this one sentence, this main point that defines all nine of these verses, and it is this. We return blessings on God by giving Him thanks for saving us through Jesus. We return blessings on God by giving Him thanks for saving us through Jesus. Do you know why the United States government doesn't negotiate with hostages or terrorists who take hostages? We don't do hostage negotiation. See, once you pay one ransom, you have to pay them all. And the U.S. government knows that it is incapable of paying all ransoms that come the government's way. So do you realize what this is really telling us? By our own government, supposedly the richest nation in the history of the world, the superpower currently of the world, if they don't 
deal in the hostage negotiation? Do you realize what this is telling us? This is telling us that man is incapable of exhausting the requirements necessary to ransom others. Period. Point blank. If the U.S. government can't do it, no man can do it. However, the ransom paid by Jesus isn't. Church, sin has taken this world hostage. Only Jesus is capable of exhausting sin's ransom. This alone should cause us to give thanks. This alone should cause us to live thanks. See, thanksgiving is really for thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is this week. Have thanksgiving on thanksgiving, but all 364 days of the year other than thanksgiving, we should be thanks living. Thanks living that Jesus paid the ransom for us. And we observe just that in our first three verses right here. Verses one through three. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. I love how the late, great Charles Spurgeon himself put this. He put these three verses, especially the beginning, especially the beginning of verse 1, right there where it says, Oh, give thanks. Spurgeon says this. He says, to give thanks to the Lord is really all we are capable of giving Him. In fact, giving thanks to the Lord is also the least we can give Him. It's everything that we can give Him, and it's the least that we can give Him. So what are some of the reasons as to why we would want to give thanks to the Lord? Why? Well, for starters, what does it say? He is good. God is good. God isn't good because He does good things. God is good because He is good Himself. Everything about God is good. He's so good that, what does it say? So good. This blows my mind. Think about this. He's so good. So good God is that His steadfast love endures forever. Do you know what the word steadfast means? Do you know what the word steadfast means? This is how good God is. See, it means to be fixed into a direction. You are directionally focused Laser focused on one thing and one thing only. Church, he has fixed his love upon our lives. He is steadfast to love us. Not only our lives now, not only the life that we're living now, but also the life that's to come, the life in which we're going to live forever. So what's another reason besides those reasons? Because it's like, if that isn't enough, right? What's another reason why we should give thanks to the Lord? You know that, what does it say here? He has redeemed us from what? Trouble. 
He has redeemed us from trouble. See, the penalty of sin is death. Jesus paid the penalty for us. Jesus ransomed us. We were hostages in our sin, but we have been freed indeed, which means we are also as free as we can be to give what we're really capable of giving the Lord. We're free to give the very least of what we can give Him. So what is it that we are giving the Lord? What does it say right there in the beginning of verse 1? Thanks to the Lord. We are free to give Him thanks. Church, allow me to let you in on a little secret. By giving Him thanks, this is how we send a blessing back to God. This is how we return a blessing with a blessing. By giving Him thanks, we're returning the blessing of salvation that He has bestowed upon us. Do you know who really gets to live a blessed life? People say it. I see it on social media all the time. People will have their profile picture and they'll have a little tagline underneath and it says, a blessed life. But do you know who really gets to live a blessed life? Because when I see that sometimes, I think to myself, well, the blessed life is only for them because I really know what's going on in my life. Well, according to what the world says, but according to the Bible, do you know who really is living a blessed life? All of those who have saving faith in Jesus. It's really just that simple, right? The real blessings in this life, the life that we're living now, is knowing that He has forever fixed His love upon me. Fixed His love upon you. See, that's how we need to be thinking. We don't think like that, do we? We look at individual things that really we think are bringing us happiness that is, oh, that's the blessing from God. No, 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 no. See, that's not the blessing. We forget. We look to those things and forget the bigger picture. He has fixed. He is steadfast in his love for eternity to those who have faith in what Jesus did upon the cross. From now until eternity, church, when was the last time? When was the last time, honestly, honestly, when was the last time you gave him thanks for that? I'm asking you that question because as I sat here this week and it was pouring over these verses, I'm asking myself the same question. I'm the knucklehead. I'm the George Wilson and his conspirator, Porter. We all are. When was the last time you gave him thanks for that? The Lord has a history of doing all of this. It isn't like we're just saying this and it may happen. No, he, he has a history of, of doing all of this. And this is why in verse 3 it says, And gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. See, God delivered Israel from Babylon in the east. He delivered Israel from the Philistines in the west. The Lord delivered Israel from Syria and Assyria from the north and Egypt from the south. And one day, 
When Jesus returns, he is going to gather Israel again when he comes back for his 1,000-year reign on earth. But in the meantime, in the meantime, he is dealing with his church. We are his church. So, church, as he's dealing with us, give thanks to the Lord. And this brings us to our first point. We give thanks to the Lord because in all His goodness, we are forever saved and loved. Now, don't get me wrong. Can we look at certain blessings along the way in our life and say, thank you, Lord, for blessing this in my life? Yes. Yes. Please do. But don't do that and then forget this. Don't forget that we give him thanks because in all his goodness, we are forever saved and loved. All the blessings we receive now are because of his forever loving us and through eternity. They have to come. They have to start somewhere. And if we forget where they start, we're not going to appreciate and we will confuse What is going on now? We'll be so focused on our life now, we'll forget about our life to come. We can never forget that this life is not the end-all, be-all. Amen again, as loud as you can, Kathy, please. I told you, I don't care if we are a conservative Bible-preaching-and-teaching church. Get excited about this. Thank you. Amen. If I'm the only one excited about this, no. We encourage each other in God's word. This is exciting. Our future is at stake. It has been taken care of for us. Last month, actually, let me, let me go back to our main point real quick before I go into this. I want to, I want to remind you. We return blessings on God by giving him thanks for saving us through Jesus. It's just that simple. Just that simple. Last month, there was an Australian lady who was lost for three days in the wilderness. Three days she was lost. Real simple camping trip that she went on with her friends. Went out for a morning walk, never returned. Never returned. So her friends did the smart thing, and they went and alerted authorities and said, hey, our friend's gone, we can't find her. The authorities, they sent out helicopters, they sent out drones, they sent out professional rescuing parties. They scoured the land, they couldn't find her. The lady was so fortunate, though. See, she got lost on private property, and it just so happened that the man who owned the property in which she got lost on had surveillance cameras set up. So when he found out that this lady was lost near his land or maybe on his land, he started watching his surveillance cameras. What you see right now is actual footage, a still image from the surveillance camera. Now, do you notice anything about that image? What do you see there? As he's checking his surveillance photo, you're exactly right. He sees in the dirt, it says S-O-S. Now, for some of you younger ones here, SOS means save our ship. It means I'm in trouble, I'm in distress, come help, right? She put this in the dirt, he finds it, and two amazing things, in my opinion, take place. 
The two things that are amazing are this. The lady first and foremost recognized that she was lost. Now, some of you would say, well, duh, right? No, she recognized that she was lost. And the second thing is, she found a surveillance camera to say, I'm lost. S-O-S. So, by writing S-O-S in, the authorities were able to locate her, find her location, and she was saved. She was rescued. She wasn't saved, though, by the helicopter. She wasn't saved by the drones they send out. She wasn't saved by the volunteers. She wasn't saved by the rescue professionals. She was saved because she recognized she was lost. All that stuff had been sent out. And I'm sure some of those things that were sent out were what ultimately found her, but they didn't find her because they were sent out first. They found her because she recognized that she was lost. She was saved because she knew she had nowhere to dwell. She had nothing to eat. She had nothing to drink. She was in complete distress. All she had was the ability to acknowledge her situation. That was it. That's all she had. The ability to recognize that I am lost. Church, we're all lost and in distress without Jesus. All of us. When we communicate SOS to Jesus, he responds. Can you imagine how thankful this Australian woman was when she was found? She must have been overjoyed. So how thankful should we be for having been found by Jesus? Let's take a look at just that in verses 4 through 9. Some wandered in the desert waste, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. For He satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul He fills with good things. Without Jesus, we wandered, as it says here, in the desert wastes. Even though this is a direct reference to when the Israelites wandered in the wilderness, it is still true for us today. The same way in which God worked then is the same way in which He's working now. He's been a Redeemer since the beginning. That is not new. See, this is our pre-sending. Our wandering is our pre-sending out our own personal SOS. This is what it is like when we're lost in our sin. This is what it feels like. Whether or not you're saved by Jesus this morning or not, you still know what it's like to feel lost in your sin. Every one of us here has a, at least experienced that. It's just a matter of have we, have we accepted being lost. This wandering is everything prior to us knowing who Jesus is. 
See, when you don't know Jesus, you're constantly unsettled in life. Everything in your life seems unsettled. It's like finding no way to a city to dwell in, as it says here. You're constantly filling the vacancy in your soul with things that disappoint because they can bring you no satisfaction. It's like being hungry and thirsty. And it's like the Israelites whose soul fainted within them. Do you know what it's like to have your soul faint within you? Again, whether you're saved or not, all of us have experienced what it's like to have your soul faint within you. And if you understand and relate to what's being portrayed here, then you most definitely desire to return a blessing upon God, don't you? Because you understand what He has done for your soul. If you want if you, uh, if you know what it's like to have your soul faint within you, then verses 6 through 9, as you look at them, should have you saying to yourself each and every time, very simply, when you look at each one of these verses, take a look at those verses, and at the end of every verse, you should say, Amen, 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 and Amen, which means, so very truly, let it be. So as Mike comes up this morning, I want to ask that question from earlier. You know, that question that we asked earlier that was, what are some of the reasons as to why we would want to give thanks to the Lord? See, to me it's because Jesus delivered us from a certain death. He delivered them from their distress, it says here this morning. Because he gave us a place to call home. What does it say? They reached a city to dwell in. Church, those who call this earth home have no home at all. If you call this earth home, you don't have a home. When the day of God comes, this earth will be no more. Our home is going to be on the new heavens and the new earth. And again, we ask that question with that being true. Looking forward to the future, the future that we can only look forward to because of what Jesus himself did for us, we ask that question, what are some of the reasons as to why we want to give the Lord thanks? Because he has forever directed his love on those who call upon Jesus as their Lord and Savior. He is steadfast to do this. He has fixed his love upon us for all eternity. Verse 8. Look at verse 8 where it says, Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. That's where we get that from. Finally, why do we want to give thanks to the Lord? I'd say it's because he alone is our satisfaction, is he not? Church, everyone's longing for something. Everyone's soul is longing for something. So you know what the dilemma is for mankind? We know that everybody's soul is longing for something. So what is the dilemma? See, the dilemma is that gap 
is trying to be filled with everything but Jesus. And when you try to fill that gap with everything but Jesus, you know what happens to the gap? It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Only Jesus can fill the gap. When we know Jesus, we know that when it comes to our soul, He, what does it say at the very end? He fills it with good things. The most amazing thing that the Lord has filled our soul with, the most amazing gift that He's given us because of His work on the cross is His Spirit living within our hearts. And when we yield to His Spirit and His Spirit's work, we give thanks to the Lord for what He has done. And what He has done goes on forever. Which brings us to our second and final point. Calling upon Jesus as Lord saves us from the one death that's the consequence of all sin. All sin has the same exact consequence, and it's death. And we've been saved. We've been spared death. Jesus pardoned us. And for those of you who have accepted His pardon, give Him thanks. Remember to give Him thanks, especially this week as we gather, gather together for Thanksgiving. For those of you who have yet to accept His pardon, know this. Your soul has fainted. You have felt it. There is a gap within that fainting. Everything in your life that you have attempted to fill that gap with has done nothing but make it bigger. Only Jesus and His work upon the cross can fill the gap in your soul. And this ties into our main point this morning. What we're saying is this. We return blessings on God by giving Him thanks for saving us through Jesus. Both believer and non-believer alike are called to the same mission because Jesus and His work upon the cross defeated sin. The same sin that has been holding this world hostage. No man is capable of fulfilling any ransom. Only Jesus and His work can fulfill and can completely exhaust the penalty the penalty that needs to be paid in order to ransom his family for all of eternity, which makes me so thankful for his steadfast love that is for all eternity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that we can be a church that mimics and lives out our thankfulness to you. I pray that we can encourage one another to do that as we disperse this morning and go about our various ways, I pray that those people who you bring into our life can see that we are living from thanks for your work and what you have done. We are thankful for eternity, and that is made possible by the work of Jesus upon the cross. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email.
connect at villasgrace.com.